Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vasculitis Visionaries podcast, the new series through the Vasculitis Foundation with myself, Ben Wilson, and my co-host, Kaylee Bynes. It is our second episode. I am here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We are recording just a couple days before the Super Bowl. By the time you hear this, the Super Bowl will be over. But for the purposes of our next guest, Joyce Coleman, we hope the Kansas City Chiefs uh, certainly can prevail while Kaylee is in dreary Washington, D.C., hoping that uh, we just get to spring at, at some point. Uh, Kaylee, but <laughs> we're, getting there. we're getting there almost. And, uh, and it's been great so far with our first episode, getting to introduce ourselves to, uh, to you, the listeners. And we're really excited for our next uh, guest to bring on in Joyce Coleman. You know, Kaylee, we were talking earlier, both you and I, we've been part of the VF in some way, helping out for the last few years. And it, it's just interesting how quickly time flies. I think about getting diagnosed now almost six years ago at this point, back in, in 2014, and have been helping out now at the VF since about 2017. Uh, I feel like the timeline's somewhat similar for, for you, too. Uh, but it's crazy how, how much the organization has grown in the short time that we've been uh, a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, I actually first found out about the Vasculitis Foundation a little bit before the 2017 symposium in Chicago, like you mentioned in the last episode, which is actually where we met. Um, and the way that I found out about it was a family friend is a physician and heard about the work that VF was doing and encouraged me to look into the different Facebook groups and the different online communities, as well as their website. Uh, and I started looking into it a little bit further when I found out that one of my friends from college, who is now a physician himself, uh, Dr. Amir Hussein, does vasculitis research and does vasculitis treatment. And he really encouraged me to go to the 2017 symposium, which is where I really got my start. Um, and that's where I met you, who I guess you are at that point already involved with Vasculitis Foundation. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because it wasn't, I hadn't started that much uh, earlier than when we met in 2017. And my, I guess I found out in, in uh, Christmas of 2016, my mom actually, a Christmas gift she got for me that year was she made a donation basically in my name to uh, both the CSS at that time, uh, the, he's a Church Strauss Society, which, uh, as Joyce will tell us later, who is going to be our next guest here is now a part as well of, uh, of the VF, and she also donated to the Vasculitis Foundation. I just remember being so touched at the time because I was, this has been about two years after I had been diagnosed, and I was really struggling as, you know, health-wise. I was not in a good place and, and uh, trying to figure out you know, how to be a professional and have a career, and was just really struggling. And I just remember how, how cool it was that she would think to do that. And I remember reaching out to Joyce and I remember seeing on the little letterhead because uh, she had sent a, a letter to my mom thanking her for the donation. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is Kansas City, Missouri. And I was going to college at the University of Missouri, which was not too far away, just up the road in, in Columbia. And I kind of said, Joyce, I'd love to get involved. would love to help out. And, and uh, she was gracious enough to, to let me be, be a part of the community. And, and uh, one of my first assignments was interviewing a lot of the doctors who were doing different research studies leading up to the 2017 symposium. So it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't that much earlier than when you and I met Kaylee and my first, my first time getting to meet everybody was that 2017 symposium. And, and we still talk within the young adult community just how blown away we were by the, the amount of people there. And many of us, we just had no idea that there were so many others just like us with the same sorts of diseases and going through the same sort of things. And so that really launched everything that we've been doing over the last 
uh, few years, and and now here we are. It's, it's 2020, Kaylee. Hard to believe. Can't believe it, truly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and as I was just mentioning, saying all these great things about Joyce Coleman, uh, it is only fitting that we bring her in as our first guest of this fantastic new podcast series, the Vasculitis Visionaries podcast. So without further ado, let's bring in Joyce, the executive director of the Vasculitis Foundation. Like I said, this is kind of the disclaimer. We're recording this before the Super Bowl. Joyce, uh, let me just ask you this. What what are you going to do if, and I'll say when, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? What's the, what's the first thing you are going to do as a Kansas City uh, resident? We are going to celebrate. It's going to be so much <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're looking forward to a great Sunday. I think uh, Patrick's going to lead us to a win. Um, so we're excited. Um, there's been no other conversation in Kansas City this week. Everything on the news is about the Chiefs. Um, so it's just been a fun time. But I just want to thank you for the invitation to come tonight. I think it's uh, it's great to talk with both of you. So I'm excited about this podcast series. We've talked about doing it for um, a couple of years. So just thrilled to uh, be part of it. And thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I think Kaylee and I are both extremely gracious that you're, you're allowing us to, to uh, go with this venture. And I know as we talked about in our first episode, just how excited we are to get a chance to speak with many of the, the movers, many of the shakers that, that have been so impactful in our community and, and learn a little bit and kind of share our stories while also learning about what is being done uh, in, in the community. And so I'll, I'll kind of start off, Joyce, before we get into what is going to be a huge 2020. I know we have you with, with the rest of the foundation. There are so many plans and so many ventures that the VF is starting in on in 2020. But as Kaylee and I, we kind of shared our backgrounds and, and how we're involved as patients and how we've been affected by this disease and, and just the desire we have to learn more to, to help to help out those who get diagnosed in the future. So how did you get started uh, with this? What, what's, what was your involvement originally and, and how has that kind of developed your, your desire to, to kind of do the same thing we're doing and, and learn more about this? Sure. Um, so my dad um, was diagnosed with um, Wegener's granulomatosis. This is years ago, back in 1994. Um, he got diagnosed after about 11 months of not, you know, continuing, continuing to get more and more ill. Um, and it's kind of interesting because he went to ENTs. He went to his family physician. He finally saw a rheumatologist and um, she looked at his records and said, you know, I think you have this incredibly rare disease called Wegener's and I'm sure you've never heard of it. And my parents looked at each other and then they said, no, we know the founder of the support group, Marilyn Sampson. They had volunteered for Marilyn's group for years. And so it was just kind of this freak thing that my dad then got diagnosed with the same disease. And so... That was in October of 94 when he was diagnosed. And, you know, we all in my family, we all volunteer. So we all started volunteering for the organization. Um, Marilyn uh, ran it out of her kitchen, uh, her kitchen on her uh, dining room table. She had the mimeograph machine. And, you know, this was before the Internet. Um, you know, you made long distance phone calls that cost a fortune. So it's just something I started volunteering and um, eventually moved into the executive director position. So I think what's really important about the VF, it's, it's always been volunteers at the heart of the organization. Mm -hmm. 
you know, helping grow the organization, having the dreams for our patients, for our families. So it's just been an amazing experience. I've been really fortunate to be involved. That's so great. Joyce, and just thank you again for everything that you do for the Vasculitis Foundation. Uh, ben and I were actually talking in the previous episode about how much it really has impacted us to be involved with VF. So we're, we're grateful to you for everything and for your leadership. Um, I also wanted to kind of follow up on your ideas about the vision moving forward for the Vasculitis Foundation and kind of talk about this podcast in particular. I know that you talked a little bit uh, just in meetings that we've had previously about why you feel that this is an important podcast initiative and, and what you really hope to have VF uh, and physicians get out of it. So I'd love to hear more about that perspective. So I feel like people learn in so many different ways and we connect in so many different ways. And I think people listen to podcasts. They enjoy they enjoy podcasts. And so I think of this as just one more way to connect with our community, with our physicians, our researchers. I think patients will enjoy these podcasts, um, but it's just one more communication tool. Um, so I think um, we are going to invite some of our we have some really nice, smart, funny people. And I would love for for our community to get to know them. Yeah, it's, it's a good point you make too, Joyce, because I think anybody who's gone to any of these symposiums will have found out, and I think it, it has surprised some people the first time they go, is just how colorful so many of, of the physicians that have done just great work within the community are, and how not only accessible they are, I mean, that's part of the point of why so many people go to these symposiums, but, but just how personable they are, and how much they really do care about what is going on w within the community. And I know we've been incredibly fortunate to have kind of that small, that core group of physicians that really do care and have, it seems like every year, come out with new studies and, and, and new literature just about the different changes that they're finding in the research. But it just kind of on a broader scale with that, what's been kind of a challenge that you and the VF have faced just as a whole, when you look at the medical profession and, and you think about trying to educate and, and just reaching them to try and get on board with, with following the lead of, of some of those superstars that, uh, that everybody uh, knows pretty well at this point who's been involved with the VF who, who do so much? So I think we have a core group of very, very dedicated physicians and researchers who are trying to find the, you know, they're developing the questions. What are the questions we need to ask about vasculitis? And what are the steps to getting the answers? You know, what research do we need to be doing? How do we do it? Who do we get involved? So we have incredibly dedicated people, but I also think we have to think about, um, you know, I read something today about rheumatologists. So the average rheumatologist in 2030, they figure there'll be less than 3,500 rheumatologists in the country. Wow, so, that's amazing. Yeah. So if you think about, and that's because um, for a long time, people didn't go into the field or, and now we have a huge number of rheumatologists who are going to be retiring. So when I look at that and I think about patients and access to care. And most of us have a rheumatologist on our team. You know, they're the core, usually they're the quarterback on the team, um, you know, kind of guiding the other specialists. So I think we have to think about what is that impact about, so if a patient can't get into a rheumatologist for three or four or five months, who's going to take care of that patient? 
and you know we're we are teaming up with the ACR, the American College of Rheumatology, to develop treatment guidelines for the different forms of vasculitis. And so when we think about disseminating out the guidelines, which have never been done before, this is the first time we're developing these, you know, so we'll be dis we'll be sending them out to the rheumatology community, but we also have to think, how do we get this information out to the GPs, to the pulmonologists, the nephrologists, the dermatologists, you know, the cardiologists? Right. Many of our patients see many different forms of vasculitis. And so how do we get that information so that if you can't get into a rheumatologist, maybe your pulmonologist will say, hey, you know what? These are the treatment guidelines. We're going to go with this. Definitely. And Joyce, can you just uh, explain for the listeners a little bit more about how the partnership between VF and ACR began with the guidelines and how that's really panned out? So it's very interesting. The guidelines have been in progress for about a year. And so what they do, they do a literature review and they pulled over a thousand articles on vasculitis, on ANCA-associated vasculitis, on large vessel vasculitis, and on PAN and Kawasaki. And they had a huge group of our physicians and researchers that reviewed these journal articles. And then they came back with a, a set of draft guidelines. And we also had patients look at these guidelines um, to say, do these make sense? You know, and the patients, it was interesting. They got to participate in a in a one-day meeting where they went over the guidelines and talked about, oh, yes, this makes sense. No, this is not important to us. So we had from the physician side looking at the guidelines, the draft guidelines, and from the patient side. And then we're putting them into a manuscript. So we'll have three manuscripts with um, with the guidelines that have been established. And what the guidelines will do is they're going to talk about how do you use lab? How do you use lab tests? You know, are they important in the treatment? You know, what are the pharmacology um, treatments that are possible? What are other interventions um, outside of the drugs? So it's a well-rounded um, look at how to treat the disease. Yeah, absolutely. Again, uh, Joyce Coleman, Executive Director of the Vasculitis Foundation, joining us on this episode of Vasculitis Visionaries, and you mentioned the ACR. I was fortunate enough to be one of the patients included on that a review panel in Chicago, and we had one of the, you know, we talk about the rock stars and, and some of these, that core group of doctors who have done just a tremendous job for our community, but the Dr. Anisha Dua, based in Chicago, was moderating that session, and what really jumped out to me, Joyce, just from the, the patient side here was how, as you talked about, these doctors, they combed through all of these articles and came up with that general draft guidelines. But there, and we went through this, this rigorous uh, nine-hour session just combing through everything. I was amazed at how many of these draft guidelines were, were way off from, from my own experiences, whether it came to suggested prednisone use or impact of prednisone. Uh, to, to, I mean, prednisone was, was the biggest thing, obviously, is, is that it affects everybody with vasculitis. But there were so many different things. And that, it really struck a chord with me, Joyce, just seeing how far off a lot of this old research was. Not that it was all wrong, per se, but just that you know, when you're coming up with these guidelines, it, it does take so much. And it takes a lot of time because you have so much information going from so many different sources. And to all kind of figure out what's the most important and, and what actually makes sense as far as going forward and what we recommend to patients. 
I just found it really interesting, and it 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 was just a, a gargantuan effort on the part of all these doctors, and they were kind of explaining to me what that next process would be like. And I know it's still ongoing as we speak today, just how much of a huge undertaking it is to try to come up with these guidelines that A, are accurate, and B, are all-encompassing as it relates to just all the different nuances of vasculitis. Right, right. And so if a patient presents and they try to they use the guidelines. They look at the guidelines and say, okay, we're going to try, you know, treatment A. And if treatment A fails, what's the next step? And so I think that, you know, instead of the physicians throwing up their hands and the patients looking confused, they'll be able to go back to the guidelines and say, okay, well, let's look at treatment B, you know, or treatment C or right. what else is out there. And so I think it'll just help. So we, we're used to working with the vasculitis experts, you know, the, as you call them, the rock stars. But there's a huge, you know, probably 75% of the rheumatology community are not vasculitis experts. You know, they may see lupus. They may say arthritis. You know, so vasculitis is not, they may see one or two patients with it. So I think that the guidelines will help them be better physicians at treating vasculitis. That's great. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, Kaylee, you can go ahead. Sure. Um, so I just had a kind of a follow-up about the the use of the guidelines. And I wondered if, Joyce, they talked at all about collaboration between these doctors with different specialties and different backgrounds in vasculitis or experience in vasculitis. Because so I know that was something that I struggled with a lot um, when I first got diagnosed is I had these great doctors who didn't really agree on how to treat my vasculitis. And, you know, who do you listen to when there are two doctors? One is a kidney specialist and I had renal involvement and another is a rheumatologist who obviously specializes in vasculitis. And, and I was wondering if the guidelines and those conversations that you had these nine hour long, you know, sessions, if you touched on that at all. So the guidelines, these guidelines have been developed specifically for the rheumatology community. Mm -hmm. But the VF, we want to take these guidelines to the pulmonologists, to the nephrologists, and say to them, okay, this is what the rheumatology field is looking at. What do we need to develop for these other fields, for the kidney, for taking care of the kidneys, taking care of the lungs, taking care of the skin, you know, the, the patients with talk who have arteries, you know, you know, what do we need to do? Who should we be working with else? So I kind of look at it a, like kind of a two or three phase project. You know, how do we get it out to the rheumatology community? And then how do we connect with the specialists? Um, you know, it's tremendous information. And so many of the physicians, I think we can share it with the specialists and they will all benefit from it. And I also think from the patient side, patients will be, a um, you know, educate themselves about possibilities because I'm sure when you were first trying to figure out you know which doctor do I listen to the more knowledge you have the better off you're a much better patient when you when you have knowledge I agree completely I really think that that being empowered um, as a patient obviously as you said gives you better treatment but also I think just mentally made me feel a lot better to have the community that's empowering me and also to have the information that's empowering me as well Right. Yes, exactly. You know, I think, um, you know, we always say build the team, build your medical team, you know, figure out is the patient going to be the quarterback 
is the rheumatologist, you know, somebody needs, you know, thinking about the Chiefs, we have Patrick Mahomes, everybody should have a quarterback <laughs> like that. Um, you know, so how do we, how do we help patients? And, you know, we, we look at the patients, we want to help the patients not only know about the guidelines, but to understand them. We don't expect patients to become medical professionals, but the more you know, the better off you are, especially in this day and age when you may only have 15 minutes with your physician. What should, you know, how can you be the best patient possible when you go into an appointment? No, you're, you're exactly right. And I'm, I'm so glad, Kaylee, you, you brought that up too, this whole idea of the self-advocacy and patient empowerment. I mean, it's something that we talk about with, the young adult community, especially from the position we're in, Joyce, where we, we meet a lot of these, say, teenagers or early 20-somethings who are have always just been conditioned, whether it's most of the time you grow up, you go with your parents to the doctor, and it's sort of like a, a, a very simple uh, interaction, right? You have the doctor who's in, in the, the head position, and then you're the patient, you're, you're in the listening position. And as we've learned now, and as, as the education continues to grow, it's not, and as you point out, Joyce, and it's a good thing to point out, it's not like you should expect as the patient to read up and know everything about the disease to be able to just walk in and, sit and tell the doctor exactly what you need, but to have that back and forth and to at least be able to share some of your individual symptoms and how certain treatments have affected you, I mean, it, it's, it seems like that's something that can be a complete game changer. And then when you throw on guidelines on top of it, it seems like we're, what, what this goal is, is to kind of give the doctors the ability to look at those things, apply them to the individual circumstance the patient is going through, just knowing that vasculitis is a disease that affects everybody in a unique, different way. And it kind of seems like if we're able to accomplish those two individual goals, when you combine them, it, w it would almost give me, at least Joyce, the impression that in this, this coming decade, we'll take a, a giant leap compared to where we've been in the past. And that's given that we've made some pretty impressive leaps as far as knowledge and research with vasculitis as a whole. Right. And what's exciting about the guidelines, it's a living document. So in the past, guidelines have not, they were written, they were good for three years. And if anything came out during those three years, they were not added on to the guidelines. You know, and some of the diseases have you know, their guidelines are maybe 15 years old. But so what's exciting about the vasculitis guidelines are they are going to be, if a new drug comes out and is approved by the FDA for treatment, we are going to add that into the guidelines. They're going to, we're not just going to sit back and say, oh, I wish the patient knew about that drug, but it's not in the guidelines. So we're very excited that, um, that the new drugs, if any, come out, and there's some in the pipeline we're very excited about. So, you know, having a living document that continually gets updated with any information we meet, even if it's not a drug, but it's a treatment or a process, we want to be able to do that for our patients. That's really fantastic. Speaking of just the living document and, and these kind of updates, can you give us some background on what sort of opportunities there are in uh, with the VF in 2020? Sure. So um, one of our biggest um, projects or every year in May, during the month of May, we have a vasculitis awareness month. And that's an international activity for people to, you know, basically raise awareness of vasculitis. There's 7,000 plus rare diseases. So if we can spend the month of May 
focused on raising awareness of the different forms of, you know, vasculitis overall, and then the individual 20 forms of vasculitis under the umbrella. So we really, really, really want to encourage patients and their families to get involved in some way, share your story, you know, tell your neighbor. So many people go around and people don't know that they even have a rare disease. And I think, you know, I wish everyone knew about vasculitis. I think it's, it's not that you are the disease, but you do want people to know about it. If we know crazy stuff, you know, when you think about the crazy stuff we know out of Hollywood, about people that most of us will never meet, but then people don't know like something about vasculitis, which is such a serious, serious disease and can affect people's lives. So Vasculitis Awareness Month is in May. We encourage you, we'll have webinars, we'll have podcasts, we'll have different activities. Another thing we're doing is our regional conferences this year. Um, our first regional conference, which is for patients and family members and healthcare professionals, it's gonna be on Saturday, April 18th in the Bethesda, uh, Maryland area. And we encourage everyone to attend. The regional conferences are one day meetings where we bring in our experts, they give talks on um, different topics, do Q&A, it's a time to meet other patients and families and just learn as much as possible about the disease. It's just a great, I don't know, have you guys, have either of you been to a conference? I know we helped out in the, the Kansas City Regional Conference when you when you first started, you know, kind of expanding on those. and. And right. no, I, I totally agree. Like they've they've been fantastic, especially if when, when you're local, so you can't say your schedule doesn't allow you to go to the big uh, symposium every other year. Or if you do, it's a great supplementary way to go. And and yeah, it, it was awesome to see and and just kind of it also kind of gives that local, not necessarily flair, but you have a lot of doctors locally who either a are able to share their expertise and it can help kind of facilitate connections for patients, or b. Uh, they're there to learn too, and, and they can help just serve their communities that they're already in. Right, right, exactly. So we are planning conferences in uh, Cleveland, uh, Kansas City, and also in Denver. So those are the cities that we're right now we're targeting for 2020. And, you know, everybody can come to the conferences. We don't do our symposium, our three-day symposium this year. So the regional conferences are really something that they're much more affordable. And if people are, have limited financing or their health isn't great to, you know, get on a plane and fly somewhere, we hope that they'll be able to, you know, get in their car or take a train or something to the local conference. Um, so we're very excited about the regional conferences. Um, we also have a great webinar series that Ed Becker is championing this year. And I don't know if you guys have talked about it already. We haven't, go for it. Okay, so the roadmap to wellness webinars is going to be a live webinar um, offering and also we'll be doing some pre-recorded webinars. And Ed Becker here at the VF, He's championing them. She, he's going to, um, he's organizing the topics and speakers. And so we've recorded one on kidney health. Uh, we have a live webinar on February 27th, uh, Dr. Kenneth Warrington from the Mayo Clinic. He's going to do a, his talk is Vasculitis 101, What You Should Know. And we, um, it's part of our International Rare Disease Day celebration, which is on February 29th. But we hope you'll, 
you'll uh, sign up for the webinar and join us. If you sign up, if, you, if you're not able to attend, you can always watch it later. We record them and then make them available. But the goal of the webinars are to give people a chance to learn. You know, you can sit at your desk, you can sit on your sofa. The webinars are something you can either watch live, participate, submit questions, or just watch the recordings. We think it's a great way to pick up some knowledge. And some of the webinars will be an hour, some will be 30 minutes. We're going to just do a really wide range of topics. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, I, my, my mom, Dr. Susan Wilson, well, you know, shout out to her. She <laughs> did a webinar for you guys a couple years ago about uh, what to tell your doctor if you, if you have a trip to the ER and you have vasculitis, she coming from the perspective of an ER physician. And I remember that was a really popular one. I just felt like that was great from the standpoint of, you know, the reality is a lot of us, it, it's not uncommon to have flares. And even if your disease is well controlled, you can get sick sometimes and you might need ER treatment. Or, or if you're in the category of like myself with EGPA, you could have an asthma attack and you need to go to the ER. And I mean, that was, that's just a good example of those sorts of webinars, even in a short period of time, like you say, Joyce, 30 minutes an hour can teach you a lot just in, you know, just with little nuggets about how to handle certain situations that will, I, you know, I think, be really valuable. I know we're hoping to get to Dr. Warrington on before uh, his, before he has that uh, specific uh, webinar that, that he does. But I know those have just been have been great in general as far as that that, you know, that whole continuing process of education goes. Right, exactly. And Ed's been breaking the webinars up into um, short snippets, like one to three minute snippets that may just cover one single question from the webinar, and we call them our FAQs. And so it's something that you don't have to commit, oh my God, I have an hour, I have to spend an hour watching this. No, you can come and pop around, jump around in the webinar, especially the recorded ones. And um, yeah, I think uh, our physicians are gracious enough to do them. And, you know, that's something I think we should think about is our vasculitis experts, they want patients to be good patients, you know, and they understand how confusing it is, the disease. And so if they can help, they are always so willing to help mm -hmm. provide education materials for our, for our community. And so, you know, we can't do the webinars without their help. So we're excited. Another one we're planning is on adrenal insufficiency, which a lot of our patients have because of the high doses of prednisone. So that's another one in the pipeline. So uh, we'll have a, a page out on the VF website and Ed will be posting out on social media about the upcoming webinars. And if you have a topic that you'd like to suggest or a speaker, you know, please feel free to drop us an email at bf at vasculitisfoundation.org. These are all great opportunities, Joyce, and I really hope everyone who's listening uh, really tunes in and, and tries to be part of those webinars, especially. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to know if you had anything in particular that you really hope listeners take away from this podcast in general. So I'm so excited about this podcast because I think it will be positive. I think it'll be upbeat. I know both of you, you guys are great. Um, I think uh, patients, I never want a patient to say that their disease is the most important thing to them. I think that um, our physicians don't want that. Um, you know, so I think I know the podcasts are going to be targeted to the physicians, to the medical professionals, and they are so, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but they really want 
patients to live great lives, to be, you know, to have good lives and they want to do what they can to help patients. So I think it's a team effort. Um, so I think we're all in it together. Yeah. Well, you, you make a good point too, Joyce. And, and I think when people have asked me just about like, you know, how I'm doing and how I deal with the disease as a whole, just thinking about this from the patient aspect, the, the first thing I always say is like, I, I will never be defined by vasculitis. Like that is not, that is not something that defines my current lifestyle. I mean, I, I think of myself as this independent person who is just like everybody else out there. I, I just happen to go, you know, I just happen to have this disease that I have to deal with. I think the reality though, and I think where, where doctors come in and, and we can continue to create this, this sort of bond and, and sort of help with the, the doctors continuing to have that desire to learn and, and help even more is that I mean, the reality is for a lot of us, and for me as well, and I know I'm, Kaylee, I'm sure you went through this too, but there was a time where vasculitis did define me as a person because things were, were pretty dark and rough and, and the treatments I was on were really not helping and there was really no other way to you know, do everything uh, on a day-to-day -day basis without thinking about it. And so I think you know, the, the optimistic part of it that I think is, is that we're kind of all getting there, but at the same time, for those of us, when you get that diagnosis, there's always going to be that period of time that, that can be rough and in a, in a point where you do feel like you are defined by what you've just been diagnosed with. I think what we're getting towards now, and it, it seems like with you know the whole goal of all this on just the macro level is if you can get to a point where that period of time where you feel like that vasculitis is all you think about, all you can, you can feel every day, is that period, if, if we can shorten that to as minimal as possible with a lot of these new developments, I feel like that's a huge win for our community and to get people closer to that whole, this is something that does not define me. Because it took me a long, you know, it took me two, three years after diagnosis to get there. I know some people, it takes longer. Some people never get there. But I feel like as a whole, we're, we're getting closer at least. And I know you've been a big part of that too, Joyce. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. Because I, and I don't mean to, I, I think getting diagnosed, um, I think it's a process of, um, wow, what do I have? I can't even spell it. I can't <laughs> yeah. say it. I can't spell it. <laughs> Nobody knows what it is. Um, I'm all alone. And so there's all these steps for a patient to take and for their family members. Hopefully they have an advocate. They have family, friends that will step in and help. Um, you know, when my dad was diagnosed in 94, the... The, uh, for Wegener's patients, there was a one to two year. So he was given basically a six month to two year lifespan. You know, that's what wow. the, you know, I was living in Minnesota. I moved home thinking, wow, this is bad. But you know what? He lived for almost 24 years with the disease. And that's what I take away. I think if we find good physicians, if we help physicians know what, what, how to, you know, that's why I'm so excited about the treatment guidelines. Circle back to that. If you can find good physicians, find treatments that work for you. I, you know, I just want people to have hope that they can go on. And years ago, they used to say, oh, a person, a Wegener's person, you know, they would always put the disease first. But now there's really been a concerted effort to say person with vasculitis you know, and change it around so that the disease is not the first thing. And now I know I'm really rambling. So I'm sure 
I can't see your faces, but I'm sure you're like, oh my God, where is she going with this? No, no, I'm, I'm in, uh, in complete agreement. Absolutely. I, I was going to say, I, I think Kaylee's the only one who could have uh, who could have pronounced or spelled the diabetes. <laughs> Besides my her, none of us. Yeah, you're right. Perfect. None of us could. My parents like to but, joke uh, that, of yeah. course, I got a disease that's called GPA. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're 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 alone on an island there, Kaylee. <laughs> say the same uh, about me but I, I echo exactly what what you're saying Joyce completely and, and it's a big reason why we uh, Kaylee and I know we, we talked about this in our first episode we are just so excited to continue uh, this podcast series we want to thank you Joyce for being our our inaugural guest here on the second episode of vasculitis visionary so thanks so much and we're really looking forward to see to seeing all of the new developments that the VF has in the year 2020 thank you so much it was it was a lot more fun than I was I was kind of scared, so it was much more fun. Oh, than I you, you it would did be. great! You did, <laughs> you did great. Okay, well, thanks, guys, and thank you for all your efforts. Thank Absolutely. you, Joyce. Take care. Bye. So that's Joyce Coleman joining us, uh, Kaylee. Just a, a really fun episode to uh, just talk with Joyce, who's done so much for us uh, in the community. We're we're getting ready to wrap up here, and we're looking forward to shortly being able to release uh, our next couple of guests as we uh, uh, we line up. But uh, I know for for you, it, it's been Great to just share our stories, talk to someone like Joyce as well. And I know you uh, share as much excitement as I do. Probably more excitement, honestly, Kaylee, with, uh, with your background for what's to come here in 2020. I'll try not to nerd out too much. Okay, that, that's good. <laughs> uh, anyway, so on behalf of Joyce and on behalf of Kaylee as well, this has been saying so long. You've been listening to another episode of the Vasculitis Visionaries podcast. <laughs>